Welcome, this is Leading with Spirit, the show that gives you an in-depth look at topics like what it takes to navigate your spiritual journey, how to heal yourself and grow your spiritual gifts, and balanced practices to expand your business and your spiritual leadership. I'm your host, Spirit Bird, shamanic teacher, healer, and author, here to guide you on your journey to becoming your most potent spiritual leader. Have you been feeling the call to work with psychedelic plant medicines, lovingly known as entheogens? Maybe you've already been doing some personal healing with them. Maybe you've worked with them for a long time. Maybe you've been training to carry them, or maybe you're just kind of feeling like there's a call and you're not really sure what you're supposed to do with them, but you are pretty sure that you're supposed to be doing something with them. (laughs) Um, For me, after years of training in shamanic healing and working outside of psychedelics um, and then coming back around to them and then, and doing some training on my own for years, um, I knew I had a pretty, pretty distinct and clear call to be holding the medicine, carrying it and helping others heal through it. And more importantly to me, connect to the divine through the intelligence of the many plants that are here to help us. But just like my journey with shaman school and bringing that word forward, I was also, um, I was always wondering and worrying if I was really ready Um, I worried if this was appropriate for me to be doing, if it was, um, you know, if it was egocentric or for misguided or for the wrong reasons, um, I wondered, you know, when that moment is where it really felt like it was clear for me to start facilitating for others. And over the years, I also learned there is a careful balance between, um, between people who are excited about the work because it transformed their life so quickly or because they had such a big experience and they have this initial excitement, there's a difference between that and people who are truly ready to handle the medicine responsibly and also people who have trained for years and hold integrity so closely that they actually should be offering their services, um, but they're not because they have a story that it should take longer or there's more work for them to do. So I want to share with you today um, a quick, some good, important guidelines to help you gauge where you are on that journey and what skills you really need to work on to be ready. Um, And if you've been following this podcast, you know, you probably know I talk about this quite a bit, that one of the seeings that I've experienced in my shamanic training and in my psychedelic training Um, it's just like the parallels are exact. It's almost mind blowing. It shouldn't be surprising, but it was until I finally woke up with them that the same thing that happened for me that I witnessed through my shamanic training is also true in the psychedelic world where one, there's a lot of shaming and a lot of, um, people talking about how you shouldn't be offering this work. Um, there's a lot of stories around what is the right way to do it and what makes you real or not real. Um, and just as that's true, there's also a lot of people that misuse it. There are people that offer shamanic healing work that have no business doing it. They have people offering it that don't know what they're doing and is never trained. You know, um, they have people that are actually very gifted, but they don't have an understanding of how to work with people. Right. And so all of this stuff can cause harm. And so our bottom line for, you know, all shamanic healers is, you know, to do no harm, but also that's a really complicated thing to say, because how do we know 
what is good and what is not. And so in the shamanic world, in the world of shamanic training, again, all those places that I held myself back because I spent a long time, you know, feeling like, um, like there was supposed to be a big moment where I got an approval for someone else. When I realized I was really just looking for permission from myself. And then once I realized that it was fairly easy to give it to myself and realize, Hey, I am ready. I am called to do this. This is true. And here we go. Right. So the same is true with psychedelics. Um, and of course that's a complex issue as well. Um, there's a, there's so many different uses for them, just as like there are so many different reasons that somebody might work with a shamanic healer. There's so many reasons people might want to work with psychedelics and there's so many ways to work with psychedelics. And I definitely have my preference on the way that I prefer it to be done, but that doesn't mean it's the only way or that it's the right way. And so, of course, you might be coming into this world through more of the lens of therapy, um, through the lens of addiction and working with psychedelics, working with entheogens can be extremely helpful for you here and really beneficial. Um, and I appreciate that the merging, the continued integration of science and spirituality allows that we can actually start testing some of these things and seeing what works and what doesn't and what helps and what doesn't. And there's a place that I know a lot of um, spiritual practitioners are terrified of, and that's that science might take over an extremely spiritual practice. Um, you know, this is a religious you know, almost religious spiritual experience for many, many of us. It's been carried by plant medicines have been carried by lineages of people for centuries that understand the power of this work, understand the intelligence of the plants that they're working with and how to work with them, how to work in partnership with them. Right. And again, while I appreciate that, um, studies are allowing us to get a different perspective. Um, again, if you've worked with plant medicines, you know that there's a big difference between medicine that's growing in a lab or medicine that's been grown and made by a medicine person, you know, that it affects your journey and your experience. Um, and it's not, um, and this work can't really be really quantified in the way that we test, you know, drugs, so to speak. So, um, and again, just from my journey, <laughs> It is such a complex thing. And, and because of that, that brings up a lot of opportunities for opinionated people. And so, you know, me, um, bottom line is that you've got to, you've got to know what's true for you. That's what it all comes down to. What is true for me? Um, and then be willing, be willing and available to listen to other perspectives um, because there's going, there are going, you need to have community. If you're doing plant medicine work, you need to have community around you so that you can be held accountable so that you can be checked in on and make sure that you aren't slipping into a place of misuse or abuse. Cause it can happen. And most of the people that are doing it aren't out there thinking I'm going to go misuse this and abuse it. They think that they're in the right. So you've got to know what's true for you, but you also need community. These are the two most important things. If you're thinking about offering plant medicine work, um, and then I want to share with you just again, like a really helpful overview of other places that you will need to cultivate in yourself, other kinds of trainings or experiences that are recommended that you have to be really ready to facilitate plant medicine. Um, and so of course the first one is have a clear purpose. Uh, I got a lot of them here for you today. So you might want to take some notes <laughs> or I'll, you know, and I'll, I'll leave uh, this guide in the show notes. So if you want to get a copy of this guide, I'll have the notes for you. You can just check the show notes and you can, um, sign up for them right there. 
So number one is have a clear purpose. Why? Why do you want to do this? Why do you want to offer plant, facilitate plant medicine? And why specifically plant medicine? Why not something else? What is the purpose for you? What is the reason for you? Um, it's something that might change and develop over time, but you'll want to know your why. And also, I know not everybody agrees with this one, but for me, I I guess it's because of my background in shamanic work um, that there has to be a purpose. So as plant medicine is growing in popularity, a lot of people want to have experiences with it. And that's great. Again, there's lots of different ways to work with these medicines, everything from microdosing to going to certain states where it's legal to going out of the country, um, you know, to working with a really spiritual practitioner here in this country, you can do it for therapy, you can do it for spiritual reasons, you know, you can do it for health, all these different reasons. And so if you're a practitioner, you're going to want to know what your purpose and your reason is for this work and what the purpose of your ceremony is as it's growing in popularity. And as people start to jump on the, I want to be a plant medicine facilitator train, um, what can happen is people just start offering ceremonies so that they can have a ceremony. And for me, that's just not in alignment with my, with my purpose and integrity. For me, what is in alignment is listening to what the plants want and why they want to be served, what purpose they have for this particular ceremony. What is the teaching? What is the healing that they want to bring forward? And so it doesn't mean that everybody that's coming to that ceremony has to have that exact intention, but you as the facilitator have to be in communication with the medicine about what it is. Um, and, you know, the saying goes that um, a shaman um, always has a purpose to what they're doing, right? Um, number two, the second one, um, of course, training with a plant medicine teacher of some kind. Again, this uh, area of work is vast, so you might be in it for more of a therapy reasons than for this, you know, for the spiritual reasons, that's fine. Make sure you've done some training. I know that there's uh, in the process of decriminalizing some of this, which PS, I'm a big believer in the decrim movement, not really a fan of the legalization process. It becomes really hazy. We start to lose some of our own autonomy over it. I would rather have it decriminalized than completely legal. Um, and then, of course, when we legalize it, you see some of the things that are happening where it actually becomes incredibly expensive and now is no longer accessible to people to having to be served in clinics versus like places that we know as medicine people is the right place to serve the medicine that we've been guided to work with. Right. So, but you do need to have training in some way. And um, there's even issues around should we be forcing people or people required to have a psychedelic experience in order to carry it? And legally, when we get into the space of legalizing, you can't force somebody to take, uh, to ingest something. Right. So, uh, so it's possible that there are some trainings that people go through where they don't even actually work with the medicine themselves. Right. Not to mention when you're working with a teacher, you're going to not only reduce the amount of trial and error that you need, which also reduces the amount of harm that is you're potentially um, creating. You're also going to be able to deliver more potent work much faster. And I know for, I mean, again, for me, for me, I spent a long time, I worked with psychedelics. I did them recreationally at first, and then I you know, kind of naturally discovered the other way to work with them. So I worked with them independently, just with myself for years as, as medicine, right. Not as recreation. So there's a place where I've been working with them for years 
I'd also been training in shamanic healing for years. And when they finally came together, it happened pretty fast for me, but that's because I had already had basically a decade of training under my belt. It doesn't mean that you need a full decade of training. It doesn't mean that you have to follow the exact path of your teacher, but that came together fast. And so I know a lot of us have had personal experience working with the medicine on our own um, and then feel like the next step is to help is to offer it with other people. Your next step is to step into a training circle. Or if you, or at least do some training in shamanic healing or in somatics or a modality that pairs really well with this, that helps you understand where people are on their path, how to read that in them, and then how to help them get to the next step of their path, right? Because everybody's different. You need to be able to know if somebody actually needs to actually like release and disconnect from their body or if disconnecting from their body is the most dangerous thing that could, they could do next, right? You're going to need to know if that person needs to learn how to cultivate um, reading group dynamics and, you know, caring about what other people think, or if it's time for them to actually navigate through just speaking up and not having to worry all the time about what other people think, right? You're going to need to know how to read these things and facilitate them. Number three, you're going to need a deep understanding of inner work and the psyche, right? Even if you're doing this for more spiritual reasons, you'll need to have a deep understanding of the psyche because as um, any time where there's group dynamics, all kinds of things can come up. You're going to need to know how to read people, um, how to see um, if they're, if what they're saying is true, right. Um, if what they want is what they really want, or if they're just mimicking someone else, you're going to need to have an understanding of how to go through the inner work so you can guide others. Because even if you're in a situation where that's not your intention, the medicine's going to take the person to where they're available to go. And so if you're working with somebody who's available to go really deep and you can't, that's dangerous. So you're going to need to have a really deep understanding of your inner work, right? You're going to need to be able to track other people's soul parts and call them back as if necessary. That means, you know, sometimes in journeys, um, when we're working in ceremony, when we're working with entheogens, people might be going kind of far out, right? And so you're going to need, a, need to be able to read where they are. There are times, especially as a facilitator, that it, the medicine will ask you to serve large amounts of it. And this can be tricky. Obviously, if you're working with medicine, you're also working with the potential of um, reaching that line where the psychotic break lives, right? And we don't, really don't don't want to put people over that line, right? But you might, you most likely will be asked to sometimes take people very close. So you're going to need to be able to track their soul parts. And if they get out too far, you need to know how to connect with them and how to call them back in to keep that person safe. That is also very important, not just psychology, not just somatics, how to track other people's soul parts. Um, another one, are you, um, I kind of touched on this one a little bit already, but you need to be able to see a person's life path and their healing needs, right? So again, we're all going to be coming in with different needs and different parts in our lives. And what is true for one person, what is medicine for one person is, can be poison for another. So you're going to need to be able to see where that person is and what they need and what they're available for. You're also going to need to be able to know to what level you should respect boundaries and like give them space and to what um, extent you need to sort of like nudge them or push them forward, right? You need to know um, that you can speak the truth with compassion. This isn't the game where we just get to call each other out on 
seeing each other's shit. That's easy to do. Everybody can see the BS that we do. What's harder is to bring somebody to it and help walk them through it to the other side. And I've seen this in a lot of containers where um, everybody comes together for this experience and they don't speak the truth, right? They people please, or they're nice to your face and they talk crap about you when you're not there, right? And this is not truth. And this is not um, really healthy to have in our ceremony space or really in our community at all. It's a huge part of why this work is even coming forward right now anyway, It's not because of spiritual gifts. It's not because of like personal healing. It's not even because of connecting to the vine. It's because this is one of the ways that we can learn how to be in community together. And that's what we're learning right now. We are relearning how to be in community right now. This is why shamanism itself is also really important. We are being drawn to it because we have a deep desire to relearn how to be with other people in a good way, right? So you need to be able to know how to speak that truth with compassion, how to not let somebody drop deeper into their suffering because you're afraid what you have to say might hurt them or might be wrong or might, you know, or they might not like, right. You will also need to have a deep sense of your own inner knowing and self-trust, right? The medicine will ask you to do things that might be scary. You're going to have to have that relationship with yourself to know I'm called to go over here and say this thing at this moment, or, uh, you know, I'm being called to go do this. You're going to have to know that, how to navigate the space when somebody has a negative reaction to what you're saying or what you're offering. You're going to need to know what's true for you. If you don't have that innate self-trust, if you don't have that innate inner knowing, you can cultivate it. You definitely can cultivate it, but you're not ready to be serving other people. You have to be able to be uncomfortable with, uh, to be, well, comfortable with uncomfortable emotions. You have to be with uncomfortable emotions and not necessarily jump in and try to make it better for that person. Most of the time with this work, a lot of this work is emotional release um, or a big portion of it can be anyway. And so as a facilitator, you need to be able to be with somebody who is having a big emotional expression and not jump into the emotion with them and not try to take them out of it either and let them hold the space to let them pass through. So if you have big reactions to people crying, if you have big reactions to people raging, if you have big reactions to people moving a lot of energy, um, then again, you can cultivate this, but you're not quite ready, right? And a way to watch that is like when you're around other people outside of plant medicine space, can you be with them in those moments that are extremely uncomfortable? Um, You need to be able to communicate with the spirit realm while you're not on medicine, So if the only time or place you're able to tap into your spiritual gifts is when you're on psychedelics, you're not quite ready yet. Again, this is also something that can be cultivated. All of these are things that can be cultivated. That's why I'm sharing them with you today. So if you notice one that isn't quite feeling right, do know it doesn't mean that you are are, are a failure or that you can never do it. Um, And it also doesn't mean that you should just ignore this list. It just means here, now it's a little bit clearer so you can see what you need to cultivate to be ready. Um, So you need to be able to communicate with the spirit realm, um, sober, basically. Working with the plants requires that communication with the plants. And if you've worked with plant medicine before, you know, once you've um, worked with it, you can work with it even if you don't have it around you, even if you're not on it, the, the pathway of that communication is open. 
So if you aren't able to communicate outside of being on something, basically, then that would be a place to cultivate because a big part of offering this work is being in communication with plants and with life, with your spirit guides, with your higher self, um, to be in integrity when you bring this forward. So do make sure you know how to do that. Um, this is not, I would say this is not required, but this is, I do recommend that you experience multiple different way containers, like different groups of people that are holding the medicine you want to work with and in different ways. There are different ways to carry the same medicine. Some of them you might not resonate with. Some of them you will. There are ways that are just bad. (laughs) You know, there are ways that people are holding it and they shouldn't. It's dangerous and they shouldn't do it. There are ways that maybe aren't traditional, but are beautiful and serve a very specific purpose. There are ways that um, might open you up to some totally new. And there's ways where there are multiple things, uh, you know, you can be at two different ceremonies that are being held and delivered in very different ways. Neither one is right or wrong. It might just be what you need at that moment or what a person resonates with. I've been to some that are like really incredibly deep and spiritual and strict and and to me beautiful, but they're not going to be for everybody. And we need to, I, we really need to detach from this idea that there's sort of like a right or a wrong way, like being safe and being in integrity is important, but going to, um, you know, a particular, like going out of the country does not necessarily mean that it's better or more authentic, right? A lot of times when we leave the country, it depends on your experience. And again, it can be a beautiful experience, but often when we leave the country, we're seeking some sort of experience. Um, A lot of times we have this idea that we're going for this like real authentic thing, but we have to keep in mind that these are usually retreat centers that are designed to accommodate Americans. So it doesn't mean that they're bad. They can still be beautiful, but just keep that in mind. Also, there are different cultural contexts. And so what you need might not be available for you in a different cultural context. So just know um, that there's lots of different ways for it to be held. I like to follow what feels like it resonates with me. If I get a no, then don't go. And if you get a yes, then you can get more information and follow through. Um, if you're planning on facilitating, I do think it's really important to have sat with a few different people and in different containers, not only to see that there are different ways to do it and help you figure out what works better for you, but so that you can experience the medicine outside of the connection with that one or two people or however many people you're working with. Like if you've been training with a group, or following one person for a long time, then most likely some of you, you won't there, that person's individual medicine is going to be a little bit merged with the plant medicine. So you want to be, you want to give yourself the opportunity to experience the medicine outside of the same people. Every time this will help you cultivate your relationship with that medicine and see what the medicine, the difference between the teacher and the medicine. That's a good way to put it. (laughs) Um, You will also want to have personal support or a network of other facilitators. Don't be doing this work out out there on your own. You need to have other people that hold and facilitate this. So if you have questions, you have other people, you have community, you can talk to about it. And so that you're accountable. So you're not getting yourself into a position where you're doing something dangerous that could harm other people or harm yourself. Um, And, and this is part of one of the first things that I wanted to do when I started working with medicine is have a group of people for that purpose the medicine will sometimes ask you to do stuff that seems scary. 
for me, one of the scariest things is actually bringing it forward and sharing, sharing the work, not facilitating the work, but talking about it, telling people that I do it, um, charging for it. All of this stuff is like, it, um, tips all of my internal sabotage mechanisms. Uh, it tips all of my questioning around ethics. Um, and so there's a place where I have to have my own inner knowing, but there's an importance to having both knowing and questions. Right. And so once you get into that space where the medicine is starting to guide you to become somebody different or to go deeper into yourself um, or to do things on its behalf, you'll need to know, you know, what's true for you and you're going to need to have support around you so that you can trust yourself going in. It's a lot easier to trust where the medicine's asking to take you if you know you have people watching out for you, right? Um. Okay. And then some of these things are overlooked often, depending on what side you come from. If you're coming from the science side, then you probably, they probably don't talk a lot about this first half of the things I'm sharing with you. If you come from the spirituality side, sometimes we forget really important basic things. So you're also going to need to be able to create a safe environment for the ceremony where people won't get hurt and a way to make sure that they don't get hurt. You need to know where your medicine's coming from. You need to know um, where they are at times. You're going to need to know um, what to do if there's a medical emergency, all of that stuff. Um, you will need to have at least a basic understanding of the chemistry of the plant and how it works with the body and how it interferes with medications. And I, you know, I know for a lot of spiritual people, I know for me, um, the my relationship with the medicines are so clear that it feels like I don't need this but I do still, um, I feel like that's a bit of a bypass to not learn about this part of how the medicines work, or at least have somebody in, in your container that knows. Um, you're also of course going to need to understand how it could potentially interfere with medications. So, um, make sure you have an understanding of all of this because we're dealing with people's lives here. Right. Um, and then, uh, you will also want to have um, some understanding or some process for the amount that you serve people. Again, for me, the medicine is very clear and, and I know I can trust that and it will always tell me the amounts. And I think it's still important outside of that to have a 3d understanding of what works, what takes somebody somewhere. Um, you know, if you combine something, what happens? And for me personally, if you're carrying the medicine, then you should be the test. You should be the tester. Um, so just know that's part of the agreements with carrying this work forward. You need to have clear boundaries and the ability to discern um, if plant medicine is the right next step for the participants. There are a lot of people that would be called to this work and it's not going to be the next best step for them. There's a lot of people that are called to the work for the wrong reasons, right? Um, there's a lot of people that want to escape using plant medicine. They look at it as another pill, the way that our dominant culture has made medicine to be, right? So you need to know if that's the best next step. Their best next step might actually be like doing long-term work with you instead or not doing it at all or with another or with a different practitioner, right? So you're going to need to be able to discern that and also be able to keep your ego in check enough to recommend them to another person um, or say no, if that is what is best for them. You need to have confidence in handling quiet client problems and concerns. 
you're doing big work here with these people. So you need to be able to know how to handle their questions, know how to handle problems when they come up um, and be available to talk about their concerns and help them through. You know, if you're doing healing work at all, you know how transformational it is. So you know that that also means it brings up a lot of fear from people. So you're going to need to know how to navigate through that. I'm almost done. <laughs> um, you're going to need to be able to handle emergencies calmly and decisively. If something happens, um, how are you in emergency? You're going to need to know how to either how to handle it quickly and calmly or have somebody around that can do that for you. Again, you don't have to be at all. You definitely don't have to be at all, but you do have to have people that can help you. You need to um, be able to, or have a process to help participants integrate their experience into regular life. If not a process, then an option. Um, and personally at this point, I don't, I, we, we include integration in our own ceremony work. Um, there are a lot of people that specialize in integration um, at this point. I wouldn't, I don't like doing ceremonies without that step next step set up for somebody. So a lot of times it's common to just go to a ceremony and they tell you to get integration, but you don't, or most people don't. Right. And you know, if you're working with plant medicine, it's the most important part. So if you're offering it, you need to have that, you either need to have that set up in your own container or a clear, easy step for your people to do that next step. And keep in mind, if this is something that you are charging for, um, and by the way, you should, I mean, you don't have to, but it is powerful, important work and money being part of this is a huge part of the integrity of these containers too. And, um, people coming with good intentions and getting, you know, results, all of that stuff is really important. Um, also not to mention the level of value that you're bringing and the amount of time and energy that I know that it takes to put into this work for, for the people that you're working with. And it's still an investment for your participants. So it is, depending on who you're working with, it might be hard for them to come to your ceremony and then decide to invest again in your integration. So we're not trying to control what other people do here, but do know that that's a tricky spot and it's your role and responsibility as a facilitator to, if not emphasize that, have that be a requirement or set up for them so that they can get the best from their experience. Most important of all, you have to have an invitation and agreement with the plant medicine itself. That's of course where the invitation comes from. Um, I, when I was working with ayahuasca, I worked in a training with it without ever actually taking the medicine. Well, not without ever having, but like for, for a whole year was part of my training where I didn't even work with the medicine. That's how much this work, how, how the depth of how this work goes and how the agreements come together. Um, it doesn't mean you have to go that way, but just, just so I'm clear to so you understand that that's what the invitation can look like sometimes. Um, and when we're starting, we can often get really excited about how influential or how powerful this was for our own experience and feel like we've done it a few times and now we get to offer it. But do know that again, that invitation comes from the plant itself. Mm -hmm. And then a couple bonuses for you, um, have a clear sense of yourself, of course. And what kind of a container you want to hold? What is the, coming back to the first one, what is your purpose? What works for you? How do you want your ceremonies to look? Because there are lots of different ways to do it. You know, um, for me, I like, I think it's, I, 
for me, I really like the food part of it. I want us to enjoy and bless food and have ceremony together in that way too. Um, for some people, it's like they're more interested in trying to keep it, you know, as like min- like the price down as much as possible. So they ask everybody to bring everything with them. That's fine. It's not like one's better than the other. Just know that there's different ways. There are some that are focused on live music. There's some that are not. I mean, there's a gazillion different ways to do this work. So you're going to want to know what is right for you and what kind of container you want to hold. Um, you know, even for me with, uh, I shared this um, a few weeks ago in um, uh, my interview with Josh Meter and my partner, um, we talked about the size of our ceremony. There isn't a right or wrong here. Um, a lot of people use the model that requires that there's a lot of people there and that's just not our preference. We prefer to have groups, but we prefer to have smaller groups so we can really get in there and do the work together. Um, and also a bonus, um, to have access to consciously grown and harvested medicines. You know, you want to know where your medicine's coming from and preferably they're coming from a medicine person that's handling them in the right way from the get-go. So if you said yes to all of these, you're likely ready to hold plant medicine ceremonies. If you're missing any of these boxes, don't worry. It just with a little training, you can be ready to do this work. And again, I wanted to create this because it doesn't get talked about a lot. And when it does, it's usually in a really condescending way. That's either from people that are holding medicine that are mad at the fact that other people want to do it, <laughs> or it's from like clinicians that um, look down on spirituality and don't understand the depths of how the depths of um, how working with this medicine can look like and what's involved, you know, and what's um, so important to us in the way we bring this medicine forward. So, um, so I wanted to provide this for you so you can get a clearer overview of where you might need to develop yourself and use that. If you find a spot that's not fully developed, great, celebrate that, use that as an opportunity to, and clarity for yourself on what to dive into so you can actually be ready. So you can do this with integrity and beauty. Of course, it's a big part of what we're doing here as well. And of course, if you want to get started, um, feel free to reach out to me. My shaman school is um, an incredible program for you to help you with the inner work, with the confidence, with understanding how to work with soul parts. Um, a lot of pretty, almost all of the spiritual end of this um, you will discover in shaman school. And I have other programs and availability to cover some of the other places that you might be ready to grow and develop. I love helping people work through like how not just working with the medicines, but actually creating um actually creating offers and what that can look like and, and cultivating and pulling in the right people and making this a really beautiful experience. So it's not just about learning how to hold it and then holding it, but again, creating an offer, creating, um, creating beauty through the work that you provide and, um, feeling confident in what you do and all coming back to that underlying purpose of why you're feeling called to it and what you are here to do as an individual in a multi-dimensional way. Thank you so much for joining me today. Have you been hearing the call to expand your spiritual gifts and step into your next level of conscious leadership? If you're a coach, healer, or a spiritual leader, you can learn more about Shaman School and growing your spiritual business on our website, holtonhealingarts.com, or send me a DM at Holton Healing Arts.
Welcome to today's member query episode, where we explore questions about spiritual paths, intuitive gifts, growing a spiritual business, and shamanism. Do you have a question for us? Send us a DM at Holton Healing Arts. This question comes from Crystal in our Leading with Spirit Facebook group, and her question is, will I truly feel it when I've learned shamanism? And this is a yes and answer to that question. Um, yes, most definitely you will feel it. You will really know it in your body and you'll have an understanding that often is very hard to articulate. It's one of the reasons that there is a lot of ambiguity around shamanic work in general is because it is complex and understood by a lot more than just our linear rational part of our brain, right? Our whole consciousness really wraps around the understanding through experiences, through experiencing it. And and the and here is, so yes, you will absolutely know in your body when you have had that experience, you'll be able to identify it very quickly and easily. After that, it has like a code that you can just recognize. It's sort of like once you eat a banana, you know, whenever there's banana in something, right? And so this is going to be something that's going to be with you your whole lifetime. And there's no point where you have checked the box on learning it. There's no point where you are now like a learned shaman. There's no point even in becoming a shaman or pursuing your work as a shamanic practitioner or as a shamanic healer that you are all the way there. This is a constant learning and growing experience. And that's part of its medicine too. Part of its medicine to help you um, to allow you to be confident without needing the external validation, to allow you to see the way that life unfolds and to heal your heart through the practice of patience, of constant learning and growing and giving yourself permission to let it be slow. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Leading with Spirit. If you did, please share the link for this episode with your biggest takeaway, tagging me at Holton Healing Arts. It would also support me if you subscribed and left a rating and review of the show so we can support more people living their highest purpose. Until next time, journey on.